Well, I have several people I need to thank. Thank. That's why we say it in Georgia. Um, so, thank you to Jessica for making me sound better than I am. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks for, uh, to Jessica Legron for inviting me, having me uh, come and speak. I, I'm honored. Uh, I also, and I don't know, I, I don't know all the protocol of everybody that you're supposed to thank. So I typically just thank the people that I want to thank. Um, I, I do want to thank uh, Dr. Tennant for becoming unsolicited uh, one of my heroes. Just had the chance to be in his presence a handful of times and to hear him preach actually twice. And uh, it was enough. You are blessed. Listen to that man. Uh, every chance you get to sit under his teaching and, and spend time with him, go for it. There, he, he has something. He carries something that you need. So thank you to him. I also want to thank uh, my pastor, Alton Paris, who led me to Jesus when I was 18 years old and pointed me towards Asbury. Uh, I'd never heard of Asbury until I met him. So I thank him for that. And then last, I want to thank my wife for never allowing me to settle. Never allowing me to settle for less than God has offered. Okay, I'm going to pray real quick <laughs> so we can do this. Jesus, I pray that you would speak today. There's no one in this room who needs to hear from me. But every one of us needs to hear from you. And so I pray that you would speak. If you can speak through me, speak through me. If you, if you need to speak in spite of me, speak in spite of me. And I pray that every word that comes from your heart would pierce our hearts and change our lives. And every word that doesn't Come from your heart. I pray it would fall to the ground like dust and be blown away. In Jesus' name, amen. So I grew up in North Alabama. And uh, I grew up in a little small town called Tuscumbia, Alabama. You may have heard of it. It's the, home, the birthplace of Helen Keller. It's kind of what we're known for. We, we have Helen Keller everything. We have Helen Keller Hospital, Helen Keller Museum, Helen Keller's Birthplace, Helen Keller Library. Everything is Helen Keller. And if you, if you go there sometime, you can meet my mom, who's the second most famous person to come out of Tuscumbia. And growing up in that little town in Tuscumbia, I was the fourth child of six. There were six kids in the family, four boys, two girls. I was the fourth child and the second son. And there was a gap between number four and number five. I, I like to refer to the first four as the intended family. And I was the fourth. So I was kind of the baby of the first family and the middle child of the bigger family, but also the older son of the unintended family. And so I, I'm a total mess when it comes to birth order and knowing who you, you know, your identity and how you're supposed to operate. So... But growing up, one of my earliest memories or fondest memories of growing up is when we had that first family. Uh, when I was the youngest, at the age of about five, 
my mom used to take the four of us to this place that we called it a country club. What it really was was a nine-hole golf course and a swimming pool. But in Tuscumbia, Alabama, it qualifies as a country club. And so we would go there on Saturday mornings. My mom would take the four kids, and my earliest memory of those days is standing in the shallow end of the pool and looking out across the rope that divided the shallow end and the deep end at my older siblings in the deep end. And they always looked like they were having more fun in the deep end than I was having in the shallow end. And there's a simple reason for that. They were. <laughs> Here's the deal. You were made for the deep. You were made for the deep end of the pool. And yet most of us as Christians spend way too much of our lives kicking around, not even in the shallow end, but over further in the baby pool. If you can imagine what it would look like, God has given you this armor, this spiritual armor to put on every day to walk in. He's anointed you and imparted to you gifts to be used and to walk in. Can you imagine putting on full scuba gear? and stepping into one of those 18-inch Walmart plastic pools. That's what our life looks like when we spend it in the shallow end of the pool. God created you for the deep. A.W. Tozer says it this way, people are fascinated with talk of the deeper life because the average Christian life is tragically shallow. Jesus was an incredibly prophetic man whose physical acts had deeply spiritual implications. A lot of times as we read through the Gospels and we look at the life of Jesus, we hear the words that he says, we read them on the page, but we don't allow the deeper word to speak into our hearts, to actually connect in our spirits to really get who he was, who he is, and who he's calling us to be. Perfect example is when Jesus in the Gospel of John says, if you want to be a part of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. The people heard it. They thought they understood it. But because it didn't connect in their hearts, because it didn't connect in their spirit, they were offended by it. Jesus is a deeply prophetic man. And his words and his acts have incredible spiritual implication. In the gospel passage that we just read a few minutes ago, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go into the deep. Let's go into the deep water. And that is his invitation to you. And it's his invitation to me. I grew up in the Star Trek era. Anybody Star Trek fans still? How about that? 
Who knew? You know, I, I, my problem, part of my problem with preaching is that most of my illustrations, I, I give an illustration, I tell a story about a television show or a movie, and people just go, never heard of that. Because you were born after most of the things that I reference. But anyway, this, this is Star Trek. These are the days of the Starship Enterprise. It's 15-year mission to explore strange and new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. You know the rest. To boldly go where no man has gone before. How many of us identify with that? People, that's, that's the call of God. That was the call of Jesus. Every disciple that he called and said, come and follow me, that's what he was saying to them. Let's boldly go where no one has gone before. And for way too long, we have settled for the same old stuff in the same old place, done the same old way. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us, to your generation, it's a new day. It's a new day, and it's time for the people of God to act like it. To act like they are the people of God. And to boldly go, not only where no one else will go, hear me, where no one else can go. Only you. Only the people of God can go where we need to go and be who we need to be. Another movie that was before you were born, uh, Dead Poets Society. Anybody seen that on Netflix? Perfect. I love Netflix. I'm so thankful for Netflix. It's re renewing all my sermons. Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams plays a teacher and he takes his class out early in, in the movie. He takes his class out into the hallway and, and he shows in the archives, they're, they're looking at pictures of people that have gone before them. If you've seen it, you'll remember he calls the students in close to him and this is what he says, make your lives extraordinary. Make your lives extraordinary. And many of us have heard the call, we think, in our minds at least, if you base it on how we live, make your life ordinary. Make your life safe. Make your life comfortable. But I'm convinced that the call of Jesus is make your life extraordinary. God didn't call any of you in this room, to mediocrity. He called you to greatness. He called you to greatness. No, not greatness the way the world measures it, but greatness as it is defined in the kingdom of God. And a part of that is that bold humility that is willing to go where no man or woman has gone before. Bold humility, it's kind of an interesting thing. When I was at the University of Georgia, one Wednesday night, I'd just finished preaching. I'm standing there, and the student walks up to me. I'd never seen him before. He walked straight up to me, chest out. He said, I'm a freshman. This is my first Wednesday night at Wesley. And I just wanted to let you know, if you ever need someone, to lead a Bible study or lead a small group or preach for you when you're gone. I'm your guy. 
I kind of laughed like you did, and I, I leaned in and I said, now tell me, what was your name again? And he said, David Platt. Now I call David and say, if you ever need me to lead a Bible study. <laughs> I looked at David, and I didn't know what he would become. But I said to David that day, what I really need is someone to clean the kitchen on Monday night after the international dinner. And he smiled and said, I'm still your guy. And he's still my guy. Because he's willing to boldly go where no one has gone before. I want to talk just quickly about some things that will happen if you make the choice to go deep. First of all, I just want a prerequisite to say that Jesus calls us to the deep water and dreams come true in the deep end of the pool. Dreams come true in the deep end of the pool. I remember the day I was in Saugahatchee Country Club in Opelika, Alabama when I decided it was time to get out of the shallow end. I was watching my brothers and sisters jump off a diving board. I was six years old. I climbed out of the pool. I didn't speak to anyone. I didn't ask my mom's permission. I just walked down the edge of the pool, went up the ladder, and jumped off the diving board into the deep end. It was a game changer. <laughs> I'll just tell you, my life's never been the same <laughs> since plunging in to the deep end of the pool. The call of God on your life is to get in over your head. That's what he wants. Because in over your head is the place where you really need him, and he doesn't want you to have a minute in your life where you don't know that you need him. If all you want is to be able to stand on your own two feet, then what do you need God for? He wants you in over your head. He wants you in places. He wants you attempting things that you cannot do without him. For two reasons. Number one, he wants to show his glory, but also he wants to show his love for you. He wants to show the wonderful love and compassion that he has for you. When he shows up in a place where you're screaming out, God, if you don't show up, I'm in big trouble. And he loves to show up in those places. Jesus calls us to live by faith. He calls us into the deep end of the pool. And when we go there, the fruit of your life will actually spill over into the lives of others. You need to understand that God wants to develop fruit in your life, but it's not for you. When I was here as a student, in the cafeteria in the mornings, there was a table that had donuts on it. In the mornings, you could go in and you could get a couple of donuts for a quarter. 25 cents for a donut, honor system. There's a box right there. You're supposed to put your quarter in the box and get your donut. And the sign on the table said, take one donut, or donuts, 25 cents. Donuts, 25 cents. And then under it, it said, God is watching. <laughs> if you go on down a little further, there's a table with fruit on it. Apples and oranges and bananas. And the the fruit table has a sign that said, take all the fruit you want, God's watching the donuts. <laughs> it's not really risky, is it? I mean, who's going to take fruit when there's donuts, right? 
So here's the thing. When you begin to really dive into the deep end, when you begin to develop and cultivate a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, He's going to produce fruit. But the fruit that He produces is not for you. The fruit that He produces is for others. In this scripture that we read, the disciples go out, Jesus tells them what to do, they do what He said. Don't forget that. It's as simple as that, really. Listen to Jesus and do what He says. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. That's what the disciples do. They do what he says. They throw their nets into places that they don't think they should be throwing them at a time that they don't think they should even be out there. But because he says to, they do it, and they have such a catch that their boat starts to sink and they have to call others over. And they're spilling fruit. They're spilling fish into the other person's boats. Jesus wants to develop fruit in your life that will spill over into the lives of others. But don't miss this. Before they filled the boats of others, their own boat was filled. And the fruit that God wants for your ministry will show up first in your home. Not in your church, in your home. So Jesus calls us into the deep. The fruit of your life is not for you. Third, in the deep, with the fruit, your nets may break. Your nets may break. They're pulling in all these fish, and it says the nets began to break. We like for things to be nice and neat. We really do. We like things to be controllable. And I would just say that if you choose to go to the deep with Jesus, things will probably get messy. And you need to understand that messes don't scare him. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, it looks like maybe he stirs up messes on purpose. He waits before he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead until he knows his body will stink. Because he doesn't care too much about how things smell. He gets there, and if you read the King James, this is one of the, one of the passages where you just have to read the King James. He says, you know, let's go to the tomb, and he tells them to open the tomb, and they say, Lord, by now his body stinketh. And you just can't put it better than that. <laughs> Jesus is not afraid of messes. They don't bother him. We're not real crazy about that. In fact, Jesus is more willing to stir up a stink than most of us are to even ex admit that they exist. Now, I would say this. If you like predictable and controllable the deep end is probably not for you. But let me go on to say that if you like predictable and controllable, Jesus is probably not for you. Because Jesus is not predictable. And he's not controllable. Fourth thing, in the deep, you'll find out who you are. In the deep end, 
You'll see Jesus more clearly than you ever have, and you'll see yourself. Peter looks over in the boat at this Jesus that he thought he knew, and he sees something that he'd never seen before, and it scares him. So much so that he falls on his knees in the boat and says, Jesus, you need to go. You you need to get away from me. And the reason he wanted Jesus away from him was because seeing the holiness of Jesus caused him to see himself for who he really was. In the deep end, you will come to grips with the fact that he is better than you thought. And unfortunately, you are worse than you thought. But the beautiful thing is, he, in his glory, in his goodness, in his holiness, is crazy, wildly in love with you. And he wants to transform your life into something absolutely beautiful and usable. He wants you and he loves you more than you ever dreamed, more than you could ever want. When I was in college, uh, we studied uh, this philosopher, social thought person named Charles Cooley. You ever heard of him? Maybe, maybe not. Charles Cooley's thing that he postulated was the looking glass self. The looking glass self says this. I'm not who I think I am or who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Think about it. Most of us live a good bit of our lives there. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Here's the key to life, people. You are who Jesus says you are. You are who Jesus says you are. In the deep end, not only will you see yourself, not only will you see Him, but you will receive from Him a word from the heart of the Father. And that word will sound something like this. This is my Son. I love Him. He pleases me. This is my daughter. I love her. She pleases me. In the deep end, you'll see Him. You'll see yourself. You'll hear His call. You'll know your destiny more than you've ever known it before. And your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that in this room, men and women would connect. Not with what I'm saying, but with what you're saying. I pray that our spirits would be open to hear your voice as you speak deeply into us. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who I'm calling you to be. Things in the past that you think disqualify you, I died for those. They're gone. The things in the present that are distracting you, you can let them go. I got that. I've got it. 
I can do this. The things in the future that scare you to death because you just don't know how it's going to end, I've got that too. In fact, I've already been there and come back. We can do this. We can do this. Trust me. Give yourself to me. Let me have all of you. In Jesus' name.